Welcome to the Sports Plus Show, maybe podcast only edition. We're not quite sure if this is going to make it on the air, but Daryl is on route. At least get the title right. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl, it's written down in front of me, fortunately. Uh, Daryl is en route to San Diego, coming out here to the West Coast, where um, if today was 75 degrees, still climbing. Uh, I saw the snow in Boston. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so again, Matt, come on out. Daryl, you're welcome to stay. Matt, did you get about four inches or? No, you know what? So I, I did see that um, in, in Belchertown, there was a lot of snow. What we got, we, we did get wet snow this morning. Um, it was that heavy, wet, you know, big snowflake, but um, it, it didn't really stick. It didn't accumulate. We had four inches in Pelham, four inches. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's not, I mean, it was cold. It's been cold and rainy all day, but yeah. um, we didn't have any snow. So, so, so Daryl, why don't you tell everybody where you're joining us from? I'm in a and exactly what position and you're in. so that I can grab an early morning shuttle to Logan and I won't have to worry about missing my flight. So I'm, I'm going directly to San Diego, but here's the cool thing I did, which is I left home without my computer. <laughs> so so we have daryl in his hotel bed head on the pillow phone in his hand we'll see if he makes it through the show without falling asleep <laughs> i'm hungry so i probably will speaking of that it, this might turn into a little bit of poke fun of daryl hour here but uh I, i'll never forget my first professional development meeting Right. Let me tell this quick story. <laughs> oh man. So I used to work with Daryl and, um, my, my first year out of college, we were in the same school and, and pretty much it was Daryl myself. Uh, we had the music teacher was an, uh, another male and our principal was a male. Um, but Daryl and I, we, we had, we worked closely together. And so I'm sitting there in the first PD meeting straight out of college. Like here I am thinking I got to take a notebook and a pen and paper and <laughs> take notes from my principal. I'm going to learn something in this professional development. And I, I kid you not about 20 minutes into it. Here's Daryl nodding off. Like I'm talking, <laughs> head, I, I wish if we could video this head start to slowly go down. Oh. And then whoa, he like pops back up and I'm looking around like, I'm going to get in trouble here. Like my principal is going to think I'm doing something. I got to, I got to wake this guy up. He's going to get in trouble. And, but it was all, all meeting every, every two minutes. He's just oh. up, <laughs> back up and hey, Daryl, I give you credit. I mean, literally every PD meeting, it was like clockwork. Oh my so, God. It was just so like, it off, it just put, a little bit. as soon as I got in those meetings, it put me to sleep. Wow. Now I'm back. No, I don't fall asleep like that. I take because I take naps during the day. <laughs> I mean, it seems to me the perfect time to take a nap. I can't imagine you were missing any a whole lot of vital information in these meetings. No, and the thing was, it was quite a show too, right, Matt? You know, yeah. everybody sort of keep their eyes on me as a as a uh, humorous. Um, yeah, you know. I won't mention any other names, but we, you know, we we would have you know, over under how long before Daryl falls asleep or who can, who can put the most little uh, fuzz balls on Daryl's shoulder when he falls asleep or something, you know, <laughs> can, can I add a, a semi embarrassing Daryl story of my own? Sure. So we were doing at UMass, they were playing games at, at Gillette stadium 
those I don't know if they still are playing every game, but the first couple of years they they advanced. So we were doing all the games on the radio from Gillette Stadium, which was pretty cool. It was a you know it was incredible. It was a it was a major haul to get out there and back all these Saturdays, but it was fun and it was, it was a lot of fun working in that stadium. So we had sort of I, I guess maybe tentatively lined Daryl up to come and broadcast one of the games with us. And I don't know where the messaging got lost, but we ended up, he, he wasn't there. We, we couldn't find him on Saturday morning, but we got a hold of him just, like, I think, a couple hours before the game. And Daryl got there, and, and we're all, you know, respectable college students in our shirts and ties. And Daryl showed up, as Ryan described it, dressed like he just mowed the lawn, like sweaty <laughs> T-shirt and shorts and just had no, no shame in just walking into the press box where everybody else is all, you know, polished up with the suits and ties. And Daryl's walking in in his, in his summer best. Yeah, looking like he just mowed the lawn. That is classic. That's great. I, I also think it was like the middle of October too. So to be wearing shorts and a T-shirt in, you know, Foxborough, but Daryl, we love you. Yeah, hey, it was that that was fun. That was really fun. Even though um, you mascot cream. Now it actually <laughs> was interesting today to talk about the hockey coach Carvel and then the UMass football coach Bell. And he Bell wants to do the same thing Carvel did. And you Wait. know, it, 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 good luck. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, does he really have a prayer of a chance? So what has Carvel done? He's done something truly amazing. I mean, he ha does have pro prospects, but they won the national championship. And I, I know I said some things last week about teams that rise quickly, but they're not a team that just came from division three. They've got some heritage. And I think also in hockey, the, the, the gap between the, top five, top 10 teams and, you know, team number 60 is not that huge and can be made up in a few years done the right way because he really seems to have done things the right way. He really has. He has, um, you know, the, if you did you watch any of the games, they were really fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the the final was 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 delightful, but the, Delight the, semi, the semi was just a fantastic hockey game. That Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, he, um, he has um, just a ton of players and um, and they're just really good skaters and they keep the pressure up. And so they wore, they wore down the teams they played. They were deeper. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, to, to the, the point that you were saying, Joe, as far as, you know, the, the, the meteoric rise to, to national championship and, and all that, you know, um, it appears that he, that UMass are doing things the right way. And, and I don't think UMass, you know, college sports are very um, regionalized, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word to say it, but I, I don't think, <sighs> It's going to be hard. I mean, it's all about recruits and how do you recruit top, top level football players, even basketball players too. I think that's part of UMass's issue. They get these guys in and now you have to spend a winter in Massachusetts, in Amherst. And that's, that's a tough, tough sell. Um, hockey, it's a little bit different here in the Northeast. It's easier to attract those hockey players who are, they live on ice. Wait, wait, so are you blaming the weather on UMass's crappy basketball team? I mean, you're blaming. Oh, no, but 
I'm not, I'm not, it's not a, I'm not trying to blame anything, but don't you think there's something behind that? I mean, if I'm a five-star recruit and I can go to UMass to play football or I, let's not even talk about like in Alabama, like let's just say name, um, San Diego state, right. If if I can go to UMass or San Diego state, where am I going to choose to go? Well, but look, look at it this way though. So, UMass basketball had Dijon Giroux. He was in, I think, the semifinals or the finals of the men's NCAA this year. I mean, I don't think the the question's not whether they can attract talent to the basketball team. And I think a lot of it has to do with pedigree, like what, what Calipari and Marcus Camby did in the 90s, even though it's been vacated by the NCAA, which is meaningless that still matters. And when, when young basketball players hear UMass and, but even that's probably starting to fade. I mean, you can't be, if you're really young and you're not a real student of, of basketball, you don't know, you don't know who any of these people are. You might know Calipari because he's at Kentucky, but they wouldn't associate him with UMass. So I think even that's fading, but at least the basketball program has that over the football program, which has zero tradition, except as, a national champion at the one double a level, which right. they decided to leave. And, 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 having, and, coach and on, was a good coach. Well, he was a good coach the first time. Then they brought him back and he was terrible it, again. Well, so yeah. I, you know, I don't know again, if he was just not equipped to recruit well, that, that that's level. Ben Roethlisberger effect because he was the quarterback coach for Ben, um, you know, so maybe his Ben's evilness wore off and Whipple. His stink followed him to Amherst. I mean, yeah. but, but, His taint. <laughs> you might have to bleep to, that one out, right? <laughs> get back to the 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 hockey team. I mean, that I, and I didn't realize this. That's only the second national championship from for UMass. Their their whole university was it, was it the football. Does that one count? No, 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 not, the, not at, at Division One. At the Division One level, that's what, what, I think softball had one. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, right. They had some really good teams. That's right. You know, but I, I, I see. I mean, hockey is there to stay. From everything, I mean, and, and I have not followed them throughout the season. Um, I, it's only been since the Frozen Four. Um, but to hear like guys like Barry Melrose give him so much airtime and, and positive airtime, right? Yeah. That sort of thing that helps in recruiting because now you have younger kids in this area in, in in anywhere actually are hearing you talk up your program uh, the right way and so you know UMass is I, I hope is, is there to stay and and I think it would be best for UMass the athletic department to say hey you know I, maybe we don't try to become a basketball powerhouse maybe it's not in the cards for us in football and and you Why? go. In basketball, you only need four or five players. They had them. They've had them. They had Mitchell. They've got a coach problem more than they had. You know, you take Trey Mitchell and John Giroux are two really top players, you know, and they were both there. Who who don't, who don't attend the university of Massachusetts anymore. So yeah, I think there's, there's a coach problem. There's a, you know, this word gets thrown around. There's a culture problem. The team has stunk for years you know, and Kellogg had some okay teams, but even those teams were never able to go to NCAA well, they, tournaments. They, no, yeah, but no, they qualified a year or two. 
they they got one they got they they made it to the nit finals and then uh who was that little um the little point guard chaz Williams? oh my god oh my god the most overrated college basketball player oh, in history was good no you know he was exciting because he was fast but he was a he was not an intelligent player. The number of times he flew down the lane out of control and threw up some wild, stupid shot. That guy shot about twenty percent. And he, Chaz was a great. Chaz was a great. He, Chaz is a great man. He's a. He's a. I, I like him as a human being. I yeah. hate him as a point guard. I'll Sorry. give you he was He's one of my triggers, thought. Chaz Williams. I, I watched him that. stink up that court for two whole years. Sorry, man. No, he was good, man. He was, no, he wasn't. He was fast. He was exciting. But, he was... Also, but so, all right. So Chaz Williams as a junior led the team to the NIT championship. Chaz Williams as a senior got them uh, an NCAA bid. They got ran out of the gym against Tennessee, if I remember correctly. Chaz Williams got them is the equivalent of Tom Brady won a Super Bowl oh, all, by, all by himself. Oh, they, my God. They, Joe. Joe, they, had, they had a decent team around him. Caddy Lane was on those teams. Yeah, he's had a yeah, he's yeah. had an NBA career. They had some, some some good players on those teams. Yeah, but but listen, Lane was really interesting because here he was. He was pathetic his senior year, not because of his ability, but because Kellogg couldn't set up any plays for him, couldn't use his talents, and he was a second round pick of the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and he had a terrible season. And you can blame life. blame the his point guard blinders <laughs> there because he let Chaz Williams do whatever the <laughs> he wanted. I can say it out loud because we're bleeping the stuff out. Man. So Matt, we found two two um, uh, weak points of Joe is Brady and Chaz Williams. <laughs> so, you know, we, the, guys, the Chaz though. Williams one was long dormant. I'm surprised that he was yeah, that name. You guys are, are more in tuned with with UMass, and 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 honestly, I didn't. I wanted to talk about UMass hockey. They're they're the national championships. We we given them the airtime, but Daryl, you bring up a good point. It's coaching, and how much. A coach has to recruit players, but universities have to recruit coaches. And you had, in, in a Matt McCall, you had what you thought was a good coaching pedigree. He came from Billy Donovan. He was he was on the Florida staff when they won their back-to-back champions. He had uh, Joakim Noah. He had, um, who was the other big guy? Um, uh, Al Horford, right? So he knows how to coach these big guys. And, you know, if, if UMass wants to get their other programs to be successful like hockey, and I don't think it's fair to say national championship or bust, but if they want them to be somewhat successful, you have to be able to recruit a coach to come in and get you there. And does a coach want to come to UMass to like, maybe that's the question. Why, why can't UMass has, they have the facilities they have the the ability, the availability. They have the support. Why aren't coaches coming to coach at UMass? I wonder if the hockey title can help there. You know, it, and, no, and I you, think and and the, the thing is, and the reason I brought up football and co- and Bell Walt Bell, the the um, football coach, is he's 
he, I mean, it's a much harder haul. We we all know that in football because you need like 30 players. In hockey, you need a dozen players. In basketball, you need four or five players, you know, and you can have really, really good teams. But so Bell is trying to use the Carvel model. And the Carvel model is to get a lot of really good players and then to really play that they play the game right. They're just on they're they're uh, aggressive and going for it all game long and just keeping the pressure on all game long. But he but Carvel goes out of his way to get good quality people. So with that for all you aspiring young coaches out there listening, that's the blueprint. Get a lot of good players. <laughs> get a lot of good people. Get a lot of good people. Yeah. yeah and, and I think you can see that in, in what Carvel's done. In football, what's the goal? Are they trying to be? They're trying to survive. They're playing a really tough schedule this year. Really and that's, I'd you rather did. I'd rather see them play a, a one double A schedule against the other one double A Northeast teams than try to play with all these teams in the, that are eleven hundred miles away. It doesn't. They're seem... playing. They're playing some ACC teams. They're they're really playing a, a tough schedule. And I think that's like you know I, I'm no expert and and I don't mean to call anybody out, but that sounds like a philosophical pro- like I think there are two ways that you can go about trying to build a program. You can go out there and it's exposure, exposure, exposure. No, it doesn't matter what the result is. If we're out there, if we're on TV, regionalized. Um, you know, that, that will work. Or do you want to go play maybe some lesser quality teams, but be more competitive and get more wins? I mean, right now, what's your sell to come to UMass? What, Hey, we might win a game. We might win four. Like what's the sell? No, I mean, if I, you know, the, as, as an, I, ideally it would be, we're building, culture that's going to be similar to the hockey thing where we're going to have really talented deep team i'm just saying this is the theoretical selling point i mean could you imagine being a high school recruit and hearing that pitch and rolling your eyes saying you what they have to offer is that we're going to play notre dame we're going to play boston college we're going to play syracuse we're going to play clemson we're going to lose 62 to 3 but you know i understand you have to start from the bottom but it just seems like you don't throw rocks at at the king immediately. There's got to be a, a step, a way to step up to that. And I think you demoralize your team and your recruiting base when you're one and eleven every year. Nobody so, wants to come play for a team. I mean, and, and especially today's t- mentality of the athlete. Nobody wants to come. <laughs> To you know where you know where I can go. With That's this. going to the entitled athlete. All mark this thirty nine minutes, minutes left. But I, 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 I'm not going to go with the But Matt, we should also um, talk about the transfer portal because that is really, really that's, that's something yeah. that's always kind of inflamed you and. And it's really interesting right now what's happening. It's really interesting. And you saw the this tiny gesture, right? This they're going to eliminate the one year waiting period. The NCA announced that this week. One time, one time in your college career. 
Which is, I mean, if you're transferring more than once, you, the pro player is probably the problem anyway. But it's <laughs> the thing is, it is they they're good at this. They do the one little thing to distract us from the giant thing that mm -hmm. should be happening, and it's yeah, it's uh, tiny gestures. There were a couple of them, uh, a couple other ones this week. Um, yeah, well, I was just, I mean, it, it's not just entitled that, but that's a, it, that's a hard sell for a kid out of high school who, you know, is probably dominating their high school, maybe not at a state championship level, but at least in their little school and league, they're, they're superstars. And, hey, you want to come play for UMass? And, you know, if you're football, maybe win one game, but get blown out. If you're basketball, hey, you know, come play basketball for us. We'll be middle of the A-10. That's not Don't a sell. That's a tough sell. Yeah, but – like so hockey when Carvel took over won four games. So I mean you 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 have to believe, you know, you have to believe that with the right coaches and the right recruiting, you can improve your basketball team, you can improve your football team, you know, you can you you know, you just have to believe it. Now the question is, is do we have a good athletic director? I guess Joe would say yes. And and does and then is he hiring good coaches? McCall, you know, if I can just say one more thing, if you go back to McCall, if you remember, that was a really weird situation where they had hired somebody else. He came up to Amherst and backed out that day, and so McCall was kind of like, "Oh, look what you know, we're in trouble." Um, so I mean, it's possible that McCall. Uh, you know, that the, the guy that didn't come might have been a real good coach and McCall might just have been a, a, a mediocre coach that was at, in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I mean, that's an impossible situation to deal with when you're coached. I mean, look at what it threw the Jets for when Belichick was coached for a day and then quit. Yeah. I mean, it, it screwed the Jets up. They're still screwed up. They're it's 20 years later. Up. But I think, you, you know, if you're going to judge the job that Ryan Bamford has done, he just brought them their second ever NCAA title. And you, right. you have to, you know, regardless of what's happened with the football and basketball programs, those are far tougher tasks than, right. than running a good athletic department. I think from what I know, and I'm not super in regular contact with, with the sports, um, with the athletic department or the media people other than that, but it seems like he's done things honorably. There haven't been any, you know, there's no recruiting right. scandals. They're not trying to pay players. At least if they are, they're keeping it quiet enough. <laughs> I, I don't think this is, I don't, I don't think it's a, a, a slight to the athletic department. I, I think it's a philosophical thing maybe. Um, but I think, you know, with basketball, you're playing in the A-10. So I think the pieces are there to build. Like you're saying, Daryl, build like they have the hockey program. But their football program they're they're not even playing in a conference, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So well, no, there's there's two independents. There's Notre Dame and yeah. UMass. Yeah, and, and that's and the that thing. Do they, do they think so, they're Notre Dame? There's no draw. There's no draw it. to so, play UMass. You know, I just see the, the football program is in is in a black hole. They're in an abyss. You know, but think about the women's basketball team. They are can, they are trending up every year for the past three and, years. And it looks like Bamford made a good coach hire there. So that's what I mean. I, I don't think this is – you can't expect 
any, even Alabama, the best football program in the history of NCAA, you know, they don't win college basketball. Like every, you seem like every school finds their niche of what their program is going to be. And, and you're all in on that. And, and we hope to be pretty competitive in the other sports for UMass. Maybe that's hockey. Let's be a, a powerhouse hockey and, and let's try to be competent in our other sports. You know, I, I don't think that's reasonable. I want basketball back. I want basketball back. I want, I want a really good basketball program, a top 25 basketball program. And I mean, it seems ridiculous, but it also isn't really, it's been done before and it could be done again at, cause with basketball, I mean, you know, look what they had with Trey Mitchell and Duran Giroux, just those two players. Those players keep bringing these two players up. They're gone. They're gone, Daryl. Along with, right, along with a dozen other players, you know. So basically, every decent player has left, which, you know, the thing is, I'm getting, in talking to you guys, I'm getting more respect for the AD, but not for the basketball coach because he just doesn't, he appears to be able to recruit talent, but then, they want to leave right away, which is not a good sign. And McCall's coming back next year. Is that? I haven't heard anything otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I know his contract, I think he's got four more years on his contract. So it's, that would not be a cheap, a cheap dismissal, but right. I, 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 I would have to think that he's, if he doesn't produce something this year, especially with the, with the player exodus and the, I, I, I want to get deeper into that and figure out exactly what's going on. I, we'll have to try and reach out well, to some UMass The people. other thing is, so this, but this thing that you referred to, the transfer portal and the, the fact that you can transfer and not sit out, there's an incredible number of players, you know, across the country in this transfer portal. So, you know, it's not just UMass that's losing, you know, tons and tons of players. It's, you know, but UMass has, has done it year after year. They've become good. <laughs> but here's what happens, Daryl. Good programs, you might, yeah, sure, you might lose somebody because they're two or three on the depth chart, but you're also going to benefit from it. You're going to bring people to you. Who's transferring to UMass? Well, West. we'll find out. Let's let's um, watch the football season, see if they improve. Let's watch the basketball season this year. Could be, I don't know, it sounds like it could be dreadful for basketball and yeah. then football you're right i mean maybe like what if the football team goes four and six you know that would be pretty good for them because they're playing a legitimate schedule so i mean somewhere actually so, so to answer your question um uh no, sorry it just got eaten up by an ad but there were two players uh uh michael stedman from montana and a, uh, another player from Penn State transferred to UMass this year, but they're replacing five players who have left, including the team captain, Carl Pierre. Uh, the other that's guy, that's Butt- kind of alarming. He's Trent- from Boston. Yeah, Trent Buttrick from Penn State is the other guy. Hmm. And, you know, they both seem, you know, rotation players 10 points, five rebounds, 13 points, eight and a half rebounds. Um, but again, is it? It's not, these aren't culture elevating players. And again, I'm just alarmed at the number of, of players who have left there. Something, something. It seems like every year it's 80% of the team transfers out. 
That's bad news. That's very, very bad news. I'm surprised that the coach is still there. And I kind of agree with what you say is that if he doesn't show something this year, I can't see that they persist in keeping him. Well, I think in that respect, the hockey title helps kind of raise the standards too a little bit. And, you know, where they can't just continue to stink forever. But, you know, there are plenty of uh, programs. We're beating a dead horse here. Who was the – who was the, the two guard that transferred out who was trending towards being like the all-time leading scorer in UMass? Oh, um, yeah. Who was that? What was that kid's name? He was a good hard play. Number two, I believe. Anthony. Anthony no. What was his name? I can't remember. But yeah. to, uh, now uh, we have to change the name to the show to three old men who can't remember anything. <laughs> So I, I, can we can we get off of UMass? Because I really want to talk about the WNBA draft. I don't know if you guys paid any attention to this, but Dallas had – last year they had three of the first seven picks, and they got three. One, two, and what what else? This year they had one, two, five, and they ha- also had seven, but they traded it away. But at 13, they got Dana Evans, who I thought they were going to take at five. So they've got seven just – I mean, top, top, top level first or second year players. So if you're a, a wagering person and you're betting on WNBA future titles, throw <laughs> your money at Dallas. And this is a team that, that they what used they to be last year. Did they have a decent year last year? No, they weren't weren't so good last year. Okay. I don't think they made the playoffs. But this is a team that's got a good pedigree. This used to be Detroit, and they've won titles back when Bill Lambeer was their coach. But this is it's going to be an interesting season. And, you know, Ari McDonald went to Atlanta after that, this was a weird, weird draft. There were so many players just like names that I'd never heard of that popped up in the six, seven, eight spots. It was, it was pretty wild. And I'm also grateful to see the attention that was paid to it. ESPN did a really nice broadcast and it's, yeah, the, the, the amount of talent, young talent that Dallas has on this team is it's this has to be the best two two consecutive drafts in pro sports history. Just the right. amount of talent they added in this in these two years. If they it, don't end up with a great team after this. Somebody drafted really poorly because they had the picks. Well, they they drafted well. You look at the players they got, they drafted well. And there's 12 teams in the WNBA. It's easy to go from out of the playoffs to championship contender in a year or two. And we'll see. They got a new coach, too. So, so again, you know, I want to continue to praise the WNBA because they really have been the leaders in social justice of, of all the pro. And they've really set the bar high for pro sports and pro sports speaking up about society. And, you know, I I think they really need to be admired for what they've done for society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I I wish I had more to chime in on, on the draft. Um, But I mean, like you said, when we talked about it before, it's, it's, I think it's up to, media outlets and, and the coverage to continue to trend upward. Um, and that, you know, you have to put it in the consumer space for them to be able to watch it. And so hopefully the WNBA continues to That's trend sort of happened a little bit this year, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, shall we, shall we move right on to public enemy number one? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's at least mention 
let's at least mention Megan Rapinoe and the women's soccer team who, who you know, is still go, going great guns, you know, talking about female sports. Yeah, they um, didn't they have a, a tie, Two. a draw, a draw, a draw against someone they should have beaten. I don't know whether they'd, be, whether they'd be nervous or not, but so the the news today, which I just saw pop up um, right before we came on, was that so we've heard the Deshaun Watson story, the twenty something masseuses uh, massage therapy. Well, actually, it's, no, he's got eighteen that say he didn't do anything gross. Okay, well, that's 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 what I was. So we've got the twenty two that have filed these lawsuits, and today is the one month anniversary of the first, first lawsuit. Okay. So let me ask both of you guys a question. How many masseuse agents do you guys hire a year? You know, is it f- five, 10, 15? Even when I, when I used to go right after my back surgery, I went every week, but I went to the same person for. Right. Because you find years. one good person and you keep, you stay with them. Right. Well, so there's supposedly these 18 other therapists who have come forward to say that he they did therapy on him and he never never tried to rub his on them or anything. So they the Houston Chronicle did a investigation into these 18 women and they couldn't find a valid license for any of them. One of them (gasps) one of them was just a student. There were typos or names that were misspelled. One of them had given up her license six years before Deshaun Watson graduated from college. So essentially none of the stories, they couldn't find a single one who was legitimately certified to be a massage therapist at the time that they claim. And apparently to give a unlicensed massage in any of these, these places where these things supposedly took place, any of these, these states is in, which I think most of them were in Texas and Louisiana. It's a misdemeanor. It's a crime. So it's not something that you're going to file, you know, you're going to come forward and say, yeah, I, I committed this crime 11 years ago. It just seems the, everything about this story is, is disgusting. He, he, his conditions for the massage is that, he like basically is has a little blanket around his a towel around his body and that's it. Well, all right. So I, I, let me say this. Though. I mean, to your Daryl, I, I get your point. I, I don't get massages that often, not as much as I, I would like. Um, but but you would go to one person. Or if you didn't but like I'm that one not, person, well, but that's, one. that's what I mean. Like that's uh, you're, we're kind of comparing apples to oranges there because I don't. That's not even an option. Like I, you know, so I, I do remember I, when I was at, at Springfield College, um, I was on the uh, you know the the committee of to to bring in concerts and things like that, and so I, I worked those. One year we got a band. I won't even say their name. Um, and so they show up to Springfield College and, and I'm part of like the greeting committee and we're building the stage and everything like that. And like their manager comes up and he's like, yeah, so where are the massage therapists? And we're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, that's one of our conditions. Like the guy, the band needs, they want a massage before they go on. Um, now we're talking though, this is Saturday uh, in Springfield and, and we couldn't find one. And so they ended up getting um 
a few athletic trainers, um, students to actually give them a massage. Now I'm not, I am not at all right. implying that anything bad happened or any, I, I mean, I, I didn't hear of anything. I think I might've heard about something. If something was going on, I didn't hear of anything, but you know, when, when you're famous, you live a different lifestyle. So to me, as disgusting as some of these stories are, just because he's asking, he's getting massages from different people that that alone isn't a red flag for me. Oh yeah, no, it absolutely is. That absolutely is, Matt. This is this is like going to seventeen doctors. You just don't. There's no reason to do it. Right. The, the only reason to do this is if at the end of every encounter that person would never be in a room alone with you again. That is the only reason to have this. I am one thousand percent. Again, mark this as. Um, Sports Plus show history. I am one hundred percent in agreement with Daryl on this. That this is that 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 when I heard just the number of therapists that he's been to, both the ones that filed complaints and the ones that defended him, that's that's more than I've seen, right, in my entire life by by a factor of ten. And I, I'm a pretty consistent massage customer. I've had and I moved around a lot. I've had maybe eight different massage therapists in my life. Yeah, no, I'm, look, I, I, I don't, I, I, I agree with you. Like it, it, I just like you saying how many have I had and comparing that to how many a famous athlete has had. I mean, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It is weird. Uh, most famous uh, athletes would have had like three, four or five different massage people. And I mean, actually now. Yeah. I mean, you would think they're so their body is their, is their moneymaker, right? Can right. I can I say right. that right? So right. if you do find somebody that's taking care of your body, you're going to do it. I mean, I was I just bad. saying, these, I mean, guys, look, these people are so picky about who they let work on their body. Like right. they yeah. latch on to personal trainers for decades. This is yeah. not something right. that, that they would hop around with. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, look, so let me guys ask you a question. What's going to happen to Sean? Is he playing for Houston? How can Houston have him play? I don't. I don't see. It. I, I think he's done. I think his career is over. Well, I, you, seriously, but wait a minute. He's in the prime of his career. I, I think. I think this. I mean, look. I, I want to be respectful of letting the process kind of play out. I don't. I have my opinion. I like. It, it's. It's pretty disturbing to read some of the accusations. Um, but I mean, the process does have to play out in court. If I were a betting man, I would have to say uh, he's probably not playing. But. I, I don't see. I, I don't. I don't see that happening. He's he's got too much talent, and it's it's hard to get a quality quarterbacks. I do not see him. Not, you know, it's sort of like as a as a longtime Red Sox fan when Steinbrenner was around. This is what you used to say. Well, Steinbrenner would sign him. You know. <laughs> like, well, so that's this question, and and I, mean, I could ask my brother this. He he's a lawyer in Connecticut. Does the fact that they are civil, like I think, we, and we kind of touched upon this too. Like, will that matter too? If they're civil cases, not criminal, if if and when a decision is made in civil court, it, if I guess so, maybe I'm, I'm rethinking that. Maybe he he probably does play again because it, if he's not it's, in jail, it, it's up. It's up. Has he been found guilty of anything yet? No. No, he hasn't been charged with anything yet. But it's up. To, the thing is, it's he's up playing, to. It, he's it's playing up, this ball. It's up to the NFL, and I think if these things are borne out to be true, and the, but the thing is, the 
the the resolution of this is probably going to be a non-public. It's probably going to be a settlement out of court, you know, unless unless the the and this is what we hear from from the the accuser's attorney that it's not about money and they filed for whatever the minimum in damages. I think it's ten dollars. So they they publicly are not after money. So maybe a settlement doesn't make these things go yeah. away and the the intent actually is to get all the stories heard. So my question to you, Daryl is, so let's say worst case resolution of the civil suits that, that comes out in public, all these women testify to this behavior and a judge finds him responsible and orders him to pay X number of million dollars. How long is he out of the league? I think he's playing for Houston this year. No way. No way. No way. No way. This year. Not in, that, not in that scenario. No way. He's playing only playing for Houston this year if it goes away and nothing's re- revealed publicly. If his attorney, if Rusty Harden makes an offer that all 22 of these accusers accept and they all go away quietly, that's the only way he plays this year. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But let's not talk about that creep anymore. Let's let's talk about the the female, I think, college softball pitcher that threw a perfect game, 21 strikeouts. I can't That's keep track impressive. of what season it is. There's still high school football being played. It's, it's all, bizarre. It's, it's a jumble, yeah. As everything's being every, – every sport being played right now, if you count high school. I mean, there are I college guess. conferences playing now too, playing football. It's a pretty bizarre year. It really is. And it's um, so, yeah, I, I hadn't heard about this, Daryl. Tell I, I don't know. Go ahead, Daryl. Tell us about so, it. This, um, you know, and I, I don't, I, I should have looked it up a little more, but I, I don't know if it's college or high school, but I think it was college. But it really was literally the first perfect game. Twenty-one women came up to bat, and twenty-one struck out. Oh wow! And it was just, it was phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Is somebody in Texas? I don't. I think it was a college, but it could have been a high school. Um, Pitcher Hope Troutwein. Trout Troutwein. Yeah. Yep. Perfect game of all strikeouts. Let me uh, see it's here. Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that's probably only happened in like little league, maybe before. Where well, plus, it's always I've always been fascinated by the difference between a major league male pitcher and uh, a softball, you know, like Danielle Henderson, the UMass great pitcher they had, and they've had several of them, you know, like how can they throw, they can throw day after day. They don't get the same um, wear and tear on their well, shoulder. That's, that's, that's that the overhand of your body. Yeah, the baseball throwing motion, the overhand throwing motion is the most unnatural. And that's yeah. why pitchers go through, you have to go through this whole contortion of your body to get enough momentum where you're not actually using your arm to throw because, I mean, I yeah, I mean, even as a as an idiot, I mean, I could throw 130, 150 pitches at a time in college. But by the time I was coaching in my late 20s, if I threw a half hour of batting practice, that was enough to me. And I still can't lift my shoulder up all the way anymore. Well, so think about this. This is what I, this is what I tell my students. I'm, I'm actually teaching the mechanics of throwing. 
our bodies aren't made our body the, the mechanics of our body we're not we don't walk down the hallway with our arms up in the air swinging them up we swing with our arms down by our side and that's why you know softball pitchers your your joints your ligaments all your muscles it's designed to swing you know underhand um and that's why softball pitchers can go in every game and, and pitch whereas baseball players need that time off you're putting your body in a position it just simply wasn't designed to be in um so here, here's another good uh story so this is when my kids were fairly young and i we were at some place that had a um that had a speed gun um you know and it was like a um so you know i'm going ah oh, man i'm gonna like really impress my my kid my kids that like how fast i throw it <laughs> i threw it 50 miles an hour wow. <laughs> i was like Oh my God. So, I mean, throwing a 70, 90, it's like, it, it's incredible feat. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. The, the, the best I ever did I, low eighties, I could throw 82, 83, but even that not consistently, I could get up to that for two, three pitches at a time. But yeah, it's, it, that's, it's such an amazing feat to throw a baseball a hundred miles an hour. I just can't imagine the, but again, that's why um, what's it, the Frank Job, the elbow surgeon? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why he has 19 houses in the Hamptons. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's another question for you guys. Who can stop the Red Sox? <laughs> man, we, care, we care about baseball? That, do we really? Baseball started, man. The month of May. Now, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather talk about your surging Celtics. Who, oh my God! After being especially, written off, are kind of back in it now. Tatum. Say it again, sorry. Especially Tatum, he's playing, and Jalen Brown. They are just, they're just playing incredibly well. Well, and and Smart beat the Blazers the other night with that with the missed free throw at the end of the game, the intentional missed free throw. I don't know if you saw that, Daryl. Oh yeah, yeah. But, they, they Smart also in that game made some of the most incredible defensive plays I've ever seen in my life. And it's just, he's, he, I, I really respect him. He was kind of a, what would you call a firecracker when he first came into the league, you know, a, um, a, you know, a questionable personality, a questionable uh, quality person, but man, he, he know his, value to the team is you can't mesh, measure it. You really can't. I mean, he, he goes hard every play. I covered him at Oklahoma State. I saw him play a bunch of times over those couple of years. I actually got got run over by him on the baseline. I was working as a photographer Whoa. and he came came for a rebound. I've still got the pictures of like, you know, his, his like bowling me over and um, it, it was, uh, I actually um, who was the other one? Um, Andrew Wiggins too at Kansas did the same thing. I was a I was a magnet for for basketball players <laughs> on the baseline for some reason, but 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 um, Smart is just he his his defensive instincts are tremendous. So yes, the Celtics are looking very interesting, but um, uh, you know it's it's um, it's an interesting season. Like um, you know what about the Lakers? You know I mean it's. Um, Lakers get Davis back tonight, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, you could say the same thing about the Nets. If they're healthy, they're they're the two clear favorites. But there's not really any guarantee that either one of those teams is going to have 
all of their their big pieces in place when the playoffs start. And it's getting into that kind of lag time in the season where you can't really count on effort every night. This is this the NBA season is still even shortened a little bit this year, is still way too long. I mean, most teams have sixteen, eighteen more games to play. It seems but like say that about major league baseball too, but you know, they're they're gonna do what football did. They're gonna add a game. They're not gonna subtract a game. You know, they're you know yeah, that's the other thing that all the NFL schedules came out today, and I don't know. If I my the part of there's part of my brain that wants everything to be symmetrical, and a 17 game regular season just is a weird number. It's my prime, psyche, right? It's a prime number. You can't divide any number into it. You oh know? wow, wow. Yeah, so there's not going to be any. There's no more. We're a third of the way through the season. We're right. halfway through yeah. the season. Right. Although I guess with the bye week, it's an eighteen week season, so you can. You're saying that week nine, yeah? No, but that that, that I that that's weird to um to see seventeen games. Uh, baseball is way too long, way 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 right. too long. Um, and the basketball season, you know, will be interesting. And, and you brought it up. You're kind of there. You would think healthy, the Lakers and Nets will be there at the end, um, but that that H word, healthy, is you know. Like you said, how do you know what – and, Daryl, you follow basketball more than I do. What makes you think the Nets will be healthy? I mean, they – unless they really are just taking these games off because they know they don't matter. Well, you know, it really – got to admit, the Nets are incredibly interesting. You've got Kyrie that takes off every fourth game for personal reasons. You've got Harden who is like whatever he is. And then you've got Wait Jordan. a minute. Wait a minute. Harden has been made probably the best player in the league all year and has done everything. You, can, you, you guys, yeah, you can you're just you just still have James Harden in that in that category, but he's he's proven himself this year. And then, uh, I'll give you that. I don't want to, but I'll give you that. <laughs> an incredible player. And so I I think the Nets are going to be there at the finals. But you I know, know, but and it's like you say but I mean, they'll all be healthy. I, I, you would predict, but then again, who knows? What made you think that? Like, that's what I mean. Unless yeah. they really are healthy now, and they're just see. Here, let me ask you guys this question. I read this um, headline. Reggie uh, Miller was interviewed, and, and they asked him, "What would you say if, if, when you played, if Michael Jordan came up to you and said, um, hey, join, come join the Bulls?' What would you?" you know, what would, what do you think would have happened? And he said, I would have looked right at him and said, go F yourself. Yeah. You know, this again, what, what, you're doing the old man thing that things were better back then. No, things weren't no, better. I didn't, I didn't say that. No, I know, but asking that question seriously. So did, did teams take their loyalty to their team? Did players take their loyalty to a team more than now it's like what's in it for me kind of you know it's more individual than you know and I, th the, I think that as a longtime Celtics fan that that are back Russell's teams those were they were very loyal and you know they really and no they play players bought into that garbage because they had no choice they had no freedom of movement movement so they accepted that because that was their only fate and it was a a way for a healthy competitor to deal with the fact that they couldn't leave that they were indebted to a team until they retired i think now that players have have discovered 
their power, I, this is all a good thing. And to say to well, it's just, it makes the game different. It's, I can't keep track. I don't know who's playing for who anymore. That's a really selfish thing that we as fans say, and we sh- sh- ought to keep our mouths shut about it. And uh, well, yeah. no, I don't. Why can't why why is it selfish for me as the fan? I'm the consumer of of the sport. Why, why can't I be selfish, but the player be selfish? Why are your rights as a consumer more important than the rights of the labor force that, that provides you with what rights are being trampled? Right. Like the same right that you and I have the same right that you and I have to shop our services to the place that we feel is best suited to our services. And if I want to come, if, if you decide that you want to go back and teach in Daryl's district, because you want to teach with your friend, Daryl, you should be able to do that. And you can do that. But if you're James Harden and you want to play with your buddies, you can. If you want to try and build a championship no, team, I, I think because, see, I, go because ahead. if you don't win a championship, then we're gonna holler at you for your entire life about how you never won a championship. Okay, so, but wait a minute. So, but Joe, where do you put fans? Are fit? Do fans count? Do they matter? Nope. Oh, nope. Come on, man. As, as see, long as, as, long as the players, the as long as. This is who, you know, who's indebted to the fans, ownership and management. They're indebted to the fans. It's their job to please the fans. It's not the player's job to do what's best for the fans. It's the player's job to do what's best for his career, his family, her career, her family. Okay. All right. But so, so let's say you're a Lakers fan. Oh. So, oh. Oh, it's theoretical. It's theoretical. Okay. I mean, okay. Let's say it's a, you could say Nets. Let's say it's a Nets fan. You're a Nets fan. Do you have the right to hope that Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Harden stay on that team for the rest of their career? You have the right to hope it if you like those players enough, but you don't have the right to demand it. You don't have the right to get sulky when one of them wants to go join the Lakers or join the Pistons or join the Rockets. See, I I see that. I see it just as, as the mindset of the athlete. And, and I read his headline not so much about the loyalty to the Pacers, but it was the loyalty to himself to say, look, dude, if I can't beat you, you know you're going to get my best effort. If I can't beat you, I tip my hat to you, your team. Like, and, and I do agree with you, Joe, where we, I think we have put way, way, way too much on a championship. I yeah. think. We, yes. we value, like it, it is the championship and that's what everybody competes for, but we put too much of an emphasis on you're just not, and, and I, I'm guilty of this too, right? Cause that's my criticism of James Harden. Well, he hasn't won a championship yet. Right. So m- me too. We put too much of that label. You haven't won you. How many have you won? And that's what's created in my opinion, this mentality of it's not about, Hey, if you beat me, I can tip my hat to you because I know you. I I gave you everything I had as a competitor. It's well, all right. I can't beat you. Like, and I go back to Kevin Durant. You you had a team in the seventh game. You had him beat, and you couldn't beat him. And then you joined him, and I was just like, ah. <laughs> uh, I get it. I get it. But still, I'm like, no, but Matt, I really appreciate your point about, you know, so like. Take the undefeated Patriots that lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. To me, that was a super successful season for the Patriots. Like, yes, they finished second, 
but they had a tremendous year. I don't really, I don't think that you have to win everything to, to um, that, that if you don't win everything, you didn't have a great season. Right, right. Does that make Dan Marino or Charles Barkley that less of a player because they right. win titles? I think part of it for me too is that I love the off-season stuff. I love the who's going to go where and like hot the video, stove, hot stove. The video game player in me who used to just as soon as I got a new game would make a zillion trades and load up the Knicks or the Rangers <laughs> without you know all the players I liked. Like I, I appreciate that, and I also think it adds another dimension to the game when you've got players contemplating that sort of thing like to see that LeBron and Dwayne Wade and and Carmelo Anthony were on the boat in Miami and everybody speculated about the three of them mm-hmm. you know and they tried to get together and just never have like there's God, Carmelo is still really good man oh, did you see so you God, haven't had a chance to see him but he is he was he is done really, and that Nurkic that Nurkic oh man you like this team don't you they're they're I like Portland a lot yeah, I like them a lot. Well, and they yeah. just got they just got Nurkic and McCollum back, and they made a couple of deals. They got Norman Powell. Lillard, Lillard is unbelievably good, unbelievably good. But yeah, uh, I, I just worry because their defense is legendarily horrible, and they've added a couple of players that should help in that respect. But they're they're susceptible to giving up 140 points to to the Lakers or the Suns or or Utah or Denver. Everybody in the NBA though. Hey, there's a couple teams that are standing out. Philly's playing pretty good defense. Philly's and Embiid, as much as I don't like him, he is a great player. He is a great player. But yeah, if it's going to be Nets Blazers, I would love to see a Nets Blazers final. The games would be in the 180 to 160. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of fun to see uh, basketball scores that are at 100 points after three quarters. It's, yeah. it's fun. It's much better basketball. Yeah, especially after yeah. being a Knicks fan through all the 80s and 90s. Oh, and by the way, so in our last minute, are the Knicks back? I they're, know. they're okay. They're going to make the playoffs. They're, they're going to make the playoffs? Good. But, but me, are, yeah. that, you know, next week, let's talk about that play-in stuff in the NBA. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't think mediocrity brings you much in the NBA. I mean, they're going to be one of those, you know, seven to ten teams, and they'll, you know, they'll – they're not, they're not they're not winning a championship not this year I, I did not this year but I did read you know um, people are uh, guessing uh, Booker from uh, Phoenix is, is is trending towards uh, heading to New York and so if, if they <laughs> land him if they can land Booker that would be uh, something hey I, we got 20 seconds left. Luan Pipkins was the UMass player who transferred oh, out oh yeah 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 Luan Pipkins so hey thanks for listening everybody. Thanks, everybody. On air, but we'll see. And uh, and Daryl will be out here next week. Delightful. He may, may make him get up at 5 in the morning to do this. <laughs> see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.